Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. You are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast, episode number 205. My name is Delane Vaughn. I'm a board-certified family practice doctor, a former emergency room nurse, and a veteran healthcare provider, and I'm also the host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, their vitality, and their vigor in exchange for type 2 diabetes. It's for women who know that life is a gift and they're not ready to let start that downward spiral of letting that go. This podcast is for badass women who master hard things in many other areas of their life, but can't seem to master chocolate cake. If this is you, let's talk. Today, we are going to be talking about the breakup. I realized when I put that in the, uh, I put it on Instagram and I kind of promoted that I was going to be coming and doing this podcast and that it was the breakup, I realized that maybe people are thinking some things that maybe are not really what is happening with the breakup, not the breakup that I'm talking about. So I'm not talking about Kim Kardashian and I'm not talking about Jennifer and Brad and I'm not talking about any of those crazy breakups. I'm really talking about breaking up with food today. So before we get started into that, I do want to, um, make sure you understand if you are on medications for your type 2 diabetes, you are going to have to be very careful making the changes that I recommend in this podcast. Okay. The food changes that I recommend in this podcast. It's really interesting. I give you this disclaimer. And a lot of times if you call your medical provider and you're like, I'm going to be changing my diet. How do I give you my blood sugars so that you can tell me when I need to come off of meds? I'll be like, Ooh, don't change your diet. They don't want you to change your diet because they don't want to have to mess with changing your meds, which I understand that that's like a time consuming thing, which is why I help women do this in my group. But I do think it's it's very interesting that that is how powerful the food that you eat is. It is so powerful that I need to give you this disclaimer and your doctor may be like, don't mess with that powerful thing there because I don't want to mess with fixing it once you've changed something, okay? If you are on medications for your type 2 diabetes and you are making the dietary changes that I recommend in this podcast, you need to be very careful with your blood sugars. You need to monitor them and you need to get a line of communication open with your medical provider for how you should contact them and give them your blood sugars so that they can give you feedback and tell you what they want you to change in their in your medication regimen. If you do not do this, you can get very, very sick, ill, like needing hospitalization and an ER visit and even death. Okay. This can be very dangerous. So if you're on medications and you're going to implement these changes, contact your provider and get a line of communication open with them. Get very clear about how they want you to give you the information of your blood sugars and how you're going to receive the information about what meds to change. You can stay safe. Okay. A few reminders and housekeeping. If you are enjoying this podcast, if you are finding benefit from this podcast, if you are implementing the changes that I recommend in this podcast in your own life and you're seeing amazing results, please rate and review this podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening to it on. Or if you are listening to it on my website, share it with your friends and family. The more times we rate or review this podcast, the more times it gets presented to other people who might need the same help that you're getting. So pay it forward. Other people need this help. Rate and review the podcast so that they get the opportunity to see this information and start living naturally healthy lives as well. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Like I said, I have, I, 
started yesterday saying that I was going to come live and it was interesting because I'm running behind. I had to drop my son off at um, his summer job and that took longer than I had anticipated. So I was running a few minutes behind and when I posted it on Instagram last night, I was like 10-ish tomorrow morning. And this morning I reposted it and I said 10 a.m. and I was like, whoop, should have said 10-ish. So follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, follow me on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm currently broadcasting this live on the YouTube channel. If you want this information before Monday morning, which is where it usually comes out, follow me on YouTube so you get that information. But follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook so you can find this information out. You'll also be able to find information on um, webinars and information sessions I'm going to be giving. July 20th is the date that I currently have set. I do not have a time set, but I will be doing a food prep. It's not really a food prep webinar. It's a meal plan webinar. Everybody wants me to give them a meal plan. I don't do that formally within the group, but I have a process that I do it in my head whenever I'm walking a client through that. And I'm going to walk you through that process. There will be a handout associated with that. But if you're interested in that, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook so that you know when those dates and those uh, details are finally uh, set up and you can get yourself set up for that um, webinar, that session. Lastly, I am offering uh, diabetes reversal assessments. These are 45 minutes call, minute calls where you and I discuss your specific obstacles to reversing your type 2 diabetes. At the end of the call, we will be developing a strategy to manage your biggest obstacle, whatever that is. You can also find out more about what it looks like to work with me and what it looks like to be in the group. So if you are a woman with type 2 diabetes and you want to work through what your obstacles are, sign up for one of these diabetes reversal assessments. You can email me at delane at delanemd.com or you can go to my website and work on, uh, click on the work with me tab. That will take you to my calendar. I need to set up where it will say uh, this assessment, you know, sign up for the assessment, the reversal assessment. Um, you can sign up for a consult though, that's fine. And just put in the, um, there's a place to make comments that you wanna do the diabetes reversal assessment. So um, those are available to you. So if you are interested, sign up for one of those. All right, guys, we are gonna talk about the breakup. And again, I feel a little guilty if you thought this was something other than we're gonna talk about food. I know I went through a divorce in 2021 and I'm like, oh, maybe people are like gonna think that I'm gonna talk about that relationship, which I'm not. I understand that sometimes people have questions regarding those sorts of breakups and I they wanna get answers, but that's not what we're talking about today. I am talking about the breakup that we have to have with the things in our life that don't serve us. Mainly, I'm talking about the food in our life that does not serve us and how we kind of have to break up with that. Certainly behaviors that take us from our goal. I certainly had to break up with the snooze button at one point and sleeping in later than planned, right? I had to break up with that. And I also had to break up with going to bed late because that's what led to those snoozings, right? I had to break up with Facebook. I, I talked about this, I think, last week in the podcast, how I had to break up with Facebook. I still do interact on Facebook. I just don't interact socially very much, very, very minimally. Um, that being said, I meant to tell you guys, there is a Facebook, uh, Delane MD Reversing Diabetes Facebook group. If you're interested in that, go um, ask for membership in that group and I'll get you in. There's a lot of really great souls in there and a lot of really great information in there and just a really fun group of people. So if you're interested in that, that is what I do spend my Facebook time doing though anymore is interacting with people in a way that's meaningful for me, but I had to stop. I had to break up with the random 
Facebook scrolling and wormholing. I just had to break up with that. That was a behavior that did not serve me. For some of us, alcohol is something we have to break up with. Sometimes we get into legal troubles. I haven't ever been in that position, but I have definitely been in the position where I don't like the way alcohol shows up in my life. There are things I do like about it and there are things I don't like about it. And because of that, I had to change that relationship and break up with alcohol. Most of us find if you're listening to this, uh, this podcast and you have type 2 diabetes and you don't want to have type 2 diabetes anymore, we find that we have to break up with foods that are making us sick. I personally had to break up with Diet Coke and M&Ms, and I'm going to use that as an example throughout this podcast. These are all things that I've had to break up, things that I like break up with, things that I liked a part of it, but I didn't like the overall effect. The overall effect in my life was not something I liked and I didn't want it in my life. So I had to break up with that. In the group, I frequently discuss this similar to breaking up with what I call the bad boyfriend or a significant other, right? A significant other that's not good for us. The kind of significant other that was so charismatic. We had so many great times together. And when I would see them, my heart would just pitter-patter and zoom. And I would feel so amazing. And it was the most, it was the most, the significant other. And then there was another element of that significant other that made my heart sad and dive into some really deep darks, dark places, things that I didn't want to have in my life. Maybe they had a temper that flared and it made me scared or made you scared, right? Maybe they liked the cat and mouse game. They would chase you. And then once they, once you engaged with them, they become aloof and that made you confused and sad. Maybe they drank or had a drug problem and you didn't want that in your life. Maybe they were awful with money and they never had any money and you could see a future with them also being part of that, like not having any money. Maybe they just had no drive and they want to play video games all day long and you had ambition and wanted to do more than that. Maybe it was that simple. Whatever it was, your time with them did not match what your needs and goals were. Your goal maybe to feel safe or secure in a relationship. Your goal to not have the inhibition, the problems, the struggles that come with alcohol and drug use, maybe your financial goals, maybe your ambitions, professional goals, whatever it was that made you see that you were going to have to walk away from that relationship. Okay. Lots of times we only believe the goodness and then we fail to see what the other parts are. But once we start to see these other parts that aren't matching what we need growing, we realize something has to change in that relationship. Okay. So we're going to walk through kind of the steps to change that because that's where we get hung up. Okay. These are actually the steps. Hold, bear with me kids, but it is what it is. These are the steps that grief counselors counsel people through. Okay. This is grief counseling. Okay. And the five steps that we use are, um, denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, and depression, and then acceptance. Those are the five steps. Okay. And we're going to walk through how we have to work through those grief processes when we are breaking up with a relationship with a significant other that's just not good for us. And then I'm going to walk through how we do it with our food because the same thing has to happen. Okay. And a lot of times we want to deny that the same thing has to happen. And then we can't figure out why we can't move past it. You can't move past it because even in like grieving a loved one who's passed away, if you don't work through each of these steps, you're going to get hung up in one of them and you're not going to be able to have a healthy relationship with that grief. 
You're not going to be able to move on and live your life. You're going to be stuck in this grief process forever. Same thing with the relationship. You're not going to be able to move on beyond that relationship. Same thing with food. You're not going to be able to move on from that food in a way that you live your life healthy and in a way that you want to. Okay. So the first step in the grieving process is usually denial. Okay. So we're denying that these things with the significant other are actually an issue or denying that it's that big of a problem and I can just keep working at it. Part of this denial phase looks like justifying why they do it. Well, you know, they've had a really bad spell professionally. So I get that they play video games all day long because they're not really sure what they want to do. Or they have such a horrible, stressful job. I understand why they drink at night. And I know they kind of turn into a jerk then, but you know, they have anger issues and they just struggle with it. We justify in this denial phase and we make it sound like it's okay. Okay. And it's, we do this, like it's denial because if we can justify why it's there, then suddenly it's not a problem and we don't have to do anything about it. Okay. After we get fed up with justifying and denying that it's an issue, we get bitter and angry and resentful, okay? Usually we direct this at the person, at the significant other, okay? We are, we tell them that, you know, you drink too much. It's a bunch of crap. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I hate it when you're like this. We get very angry and we lash out. And a lot of times we're doing this in an attempt to change them. So we don't have to make a change in our relationship with them. Okay, we don't have to break up with them if they would not be this way. And we don't have to learn to live with it and just put up with it if they could just not be this way. So we get very angry and bitter and resentful. And of course we do because we can't change anybody, right? Like we have to accept the people how they are. And so can we live with it? No. Then we get angry because we can't live with it and we can't change them. So there's a lot of anger in that phase. Once we get this fed up and we finally realize that breaking, like I'm going to have to break up this person. The breaking up is challenging because they continue to reach out to you, especially if you're still in this bitter, resentful stage. Okay. Or if you're in the sad stage, which we're going to get to, right? If you're in this bitter, resentful stage, the person who you're breaking up with may go back and resort to their charismatic ways that you found so charming. Okay. You're going to want to continue to reach out to that person. You're going to want to remember the good times with that person. You're going to reminisce. You're going to go by your old hangouts. You're going to get nostalgic. You're going to miss them. And you're going to be drawn to going back to them and consider reconciling with them. I think everybody has done this or knows a woman who's done this, gone back to an old significant other. You do this because you're creating a social distortion or a cognitive distortion, I'm sorry, a cognitive distortion where you are overemphasizing the goodness of the relationship and underemphasizing the reason that you left, okay? You're only remember the, remembering the charisma. You're only remembering the way they made your heart just zing and zoom, okay? You remember only the good times and you underemphasize the reasons you left in the, good play, in the first place. We bargain in this phase, right? This is where we start to bargain. We're only going to hang out. It's not going to be serious. We're not getting back into a relationship. A little bit is not going to be a problem. We do this bargaining to try to negotiate with our brain how to keep this person in our life and them be in our life. It's not a problem, right? Some women do this repeatedly, 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 back and forth, back and forth until finally they get old and they get done with that story and they finally just walk away permanently. 
So when we walk away permanently, we have to do a few things and this moves us into the next stage. So we've gone from denial to anger to bargaining. And now we're moving into the next stage, which is sadness and depression. Okay. You are going to have to create, correct the cognitive distortions that overemphasized how great it was. You're going to have to create those or correct those thoughts. That's when the sadness sets in because now you have to, you need to deal with this, right? You're no longer going to be able to sit there and think of how wonderful they were and believe it because to continue to believe it keeps you in that bargaining phase because you're going to want to continue to believe they're wonderful. And how do I keep them in my life? Okay. Moving beyond that and into the sadness, you're like, they were wonderful and it was wonderful and I don't have it anymore. And that's really where the sadness sets in. And the sadness is setting in because you are correcting those thoughts, those cognitive distortions, that overemphasis of how amazing it was. Lots of times this leads into the realization that wasn't really as great as I ever believed it to be. Or you start to worry that you're never going to find somebody who will make you that happy and make you feel the way that person did. All of this leads to sadness and depression and nothing is wrong with that. I would offer that if you're breaking up with somebody who is significant in your life, you likely don't want to feel amazing through that. Like sadness and depression is probably a reasonable expectation that you're going to have that feeling. Okay. Once you can work through these thoughts about the relationship, not being what you thought it was and kind of get to that place where you're like, yeah, I'm sad because it's not what I thought it was. I feel a little bamboozled. And then the thoughts that you will never find somebody else, once you can realize that like, no, I'm not engaged and consumed with this relationship that keeps me from finding somebody else, right? Like somebody that's going to be better for me. Once you can start to see that, you can start to release some of the sadness, some of the depression. And this is what will allow you to move to the last step, which is acceptance, that that relationship was just not for you. Okay. That's the end stage of that, right? So I hope some of this sounds familiar for you. I hope that, I mean, I don't really hope that you've all had bad breakups, but I think it's pretty common in the human existence to have these breakups, right? These, these changes in relationships that sometimes look like the ending of a relationship. And how do you work through those phases? So you don't stay stuck in it. These, um, steps of grief, these stages of grief that we're talking about are talked about in grief counseling, like I've said, and we do use them when we lose a loved one permanently to death. We use them in breakups. We use them in all sorts of things that we grieve, but think about how some people don't ever move through these stages when a loved one dies and they get stuck in either this depression stage or they get bitter and angry and resentful, or they're in this constant bargaining stage or this denial stage, although denial is less likely when somebody passes way because it's hard to deny that. But if we don't allow ourselves to move through these, we can't get to that acceptance stage. And that acceptance stage is really where we can go forward and live our life with the relationship as it is and still have everything, the things that are more important to us in our life. Okay. Staying with a significant other who has a drug or an alcohol problem and is ruining their life with that does not lead to the things that you want in your life. Okay. And you're going to sacrifice the things you want in order to keep this negotiation and this bargaining of this human in your life. Same thing. If you don't want to accept that this person died or you think that it's wrong, you're like blaming the medical community. And I'm not saying the medical community doesn't 
sometimes make mistakes, they do. But if you're in this blame part and this anger part, it's hard to go on to the acceptance part where you start to live your life in a way that you want to with this other human being that's now passed away, being gone and not in your life the same way they used to. Okay. So when we don't move through these phases, and this is why it's kind of important to see that these phases exist and to like identify where am I in this process? When we don't move through these phases, we get stuck in these other phases, in an anger phase, in a depression phase, in the bargaining phase. How do I keep it in my life and it not be a problem? Okay. So I hope that you've had this experience in your life with a breakup and had to kind of re-engineer um, your thoughts about another human being because these are the things that have to happen with your food. Okay. You're going to have to work through these steps in the process of changing your diet. Okay. I want you to work through these stages of grief as an exercise for you with your food, with food that's specific for you. Again, denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, depression, and acceptance is the last stage. Sadness and depression are together. I am going to give the example of M&Ms and Diet Coke in my life and how I work through these stages. I will tell you in the moment I don't, like as I started working through these phases, I did not know that was happening. There was a time where I kept trying to bargain these things into my life and I would go back and I'd get the same result and I'd go back and eat it and I'd get the same result and I'd go back and eat it and I'd get the same result. And I was working with a coach at the time and the coach very frankly asked me, Are you, have you allowed yourself to bereave, to grieve the loss of these foods? And I rolled my eyes like seizure roll because I was so like, you have got to be joking with me. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm not going to grieve M&Ms and Diet Coke. They're M&Ms and Diet Coke. I thought, I thought it was very, very petty and silly. When I allowed myself to do that, it did really move me forward and it moved me forward quickly and it moved me forward quite a huge step. Okay. So for me, I totally denied for a long time that M&Ms and Diet Coke were a problem. Okay. I did this for years. I saw my weight as stable, even though my weight was about 10 or 15 pounds higher than I wanted it to be. It was stably 10 or 15 pounds higher than I wanted it to be. So I told myself that the M&Ms were fine. They weren't a problem. I denied that they were the problem. And I told myself, it was so funny. I would run around the hospital saying this. If I, if anybody who's ever worked with me heard me say this, and I want to retract the statement, but I would say no one in the hospital is dying of Diet Coke related illnesses. I would say that all the time. I said it a lot. So I, I was actively denying that these were problems. After I denied, after I realized that they were a problem, then I did get angry. I did get angry that I was so tired and I needed caffeine and I didn't like coffee. I told myself that was a rational reason for not drinking coffee because I didn't like it. So I needed the Diet Coke. Or somebody would bring a bag of candy to the nurse's station. And then I was mad at them for bringing a bag of candy. If they would just not do that, I wouldn't have this problem. You will find as you stop denying that your food is a problem and you'll get into this anger stage and you're angry with people for bringing donuts to the office. You're pissed about the burger stand that's next door to your office. You're mad at your husband for bringing bagels home. You might be mad at your doctor for diagnosing you with diabetes, or you might be mad at your mother who also has diabetes because you believe that it's in the genes. Like if I was just, my family wasn't like this, it wouldn't be this way. Okay. There will be an element of anger that can show up. So watch for that. I certainly had that. I was angry at people for bringing food. Once we move past this, we start to bargain. And I feel like we go back and forth in the bargaining and angry. Like we go back and forth, like, 
once I, I, I'll like try to bargain, how do I keep the M&Ms and the Diet Coke in my life and it not be a problem? And every time I eat them, it's still a problem. Then I go back to the anger stage, right? So I stay stuck in that cycle there, okay? But I would bargain like a little bit wasn't a problem. I can control it. I can only have one a day, one Diet Coke a day. Those days were so cute. Uh, never happen. I can only have one a day. I can just have one bite. If for you, it's like pizza, like if pizza is your thing, it's so funny. We'll be like, oh, I'm going to have chicken on my pizza instead of sausage. That is a form of bargaining right there. It's not the chicken or the sausage that's causing your diabetes. It's the damn pizza that's causing your diabetes. We do this with other foods too, right? Like I'm not going to eat a burger and instead I'm going to eat a sandwich. So I want to ask a question. How are burgers and sandwiches different? Like we think that in our head that they're different and a sandwich is healthy and a burger is a problem. What are we thinking? They're not different. We are trying to negotiate with our brain to keep this food in our life and it not be a problem. That's what we're doing there, okay? So you'll go through this phase of bargaining. And once you bargain long enough and you go back through the cycle of bargain and angry, anger long enough, you get sick of it and you're like, the realization sets in, I'm gonna have to let go of this. I'm gonna have to stop like I'm going to have to have a different relationship with this food. This is the part again that I don't think we do well because it seems silly. Okay. A lot. And, 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 you know, again, like it's silly to have to break up with M&Ms. It's silly to have to be sad and depressed and acknowledge that about M&Ms and Diet Coke. But what I want to offer you, Diet Coke and M&Ms have been a part of a lot of amazing times in my life. They were there in high school when I was a kid and we'd like walk and me and my girlfriends would go and we'd walk to the local convenience store and we'd grab that and when we'd go, you know, see other friends and we'd cruise and we'd have fun, like lots of amazing times in high school. That was a long time ago, guys. Lots of amazing time in high school with M&Ms and Diet Cokes. Lots of, you know, road trips with M&Ms and Diet Cokes. Lots of baseball games and relaxing afternoons and crazy work days and times with my kids and college parties. There's really nothing that an M&M, like a bag of M&Ms or a Diet Coke has not been a part of in my life. Okay. So I had to allow myself, since they weren't going to be in my life in the same way anymore, I had to kind of allow myself to be sad for that. Once I could allow that sadness, I could accept what had to happen. I had to cut those things from my life if I was going to move on. If I was going to move on and live the life that I wanted, the healthy, non-diabetic, at a weight that I wanted, if I wanted those things, I couldn't have this part, right? Like the negotiation is I want to keep it in my life and it not be a problem. When we can accept that keeping it in our life is going to be a problem, then we just get to make a decision from that space. For me, I wanted to live a healthy normal weighted non-diabetic life and i was okay letting go of the diet coke and the m&ms okay we do the same thing with our significant other that with the bad bad boyfriend the bad significant other that we have to break up with i am gonna go on and i'm gonna live my life the life that i want professionally financially and i'm gonna find a relationship that's built on all the things that i want in my relationship and it's gonna be without this person we have to accept that that's going to happen. And that's the final stage. You have to allow yourself to acknowledge the true nature of your sadness before you can move on to that. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. In the group, I'm constantly talking about, like, you you got a bad boyfriend you need to break up. You're, you, we got to break up with this. Like, you're going to have to do this at some point. And how do you allow yourself and give yourself space to feel sad 
about not having that food in your life? This is an imperative question you have to ask yourself, okay? If you know, if you are a woman out there and you're like, I know that my health would be vastly better if I could stop this one food or this group of foods. If you believe, if you could just stop blank, that is what coaching will help you with. There's help for this. This is what I help you with. Yes, I can give you all of the information about cleaning up your diet, intermittent fasting, and nutritional ketosis. And those are strategies that you'll likely need to use in order for you to reverse your diabetes. But that is just a skill set that I'm teaching. If you learn the skill set, you know why fasting is important. If you're not sure, go back and listen to one of the many other podcasts that I've done about cleaning up your diet, nutritional ketosis, or intermittent fasting. If you need to know why it will work, go listen to that. If you need to know how to do it, go listen to that. If you know how to do it and you're just not doing it, set up one of these sessions to do this diabetes reversal assessment where we figure out what your obstacles are and give you some strategies to move past it. We can also talk more about what it looks like to be in the group. Okay. If that's something you're interested in, send me an email to lane at zillanemd.com. I'm happy to get you set up. If you have any questions about anything, anything that I've presented in this episode of the podcast or anything in previous episodes, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Send me a message at delane at delanemd.com. All right. I hope this was helpful. I will be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.